Hello, and welcome to Victory Briefings, where we use the Word of God for a victorious life. I'm Dwight Hammond, and I'm glad you're listening today. Be blessed by the Holy Spirit as He gives you new revelation knowledge through this Victory Briefing. Today I'm using a Victory Briefing's topical study outline, On Fire for Jesus. For more notes and details, click on the Study button at the top of the website. We've already seen that the first fuel to keep your life on fire for Jesus is the Word of God. It's very important to stay in the Word of God. Now, the second fuel that we need in order to stay on fire for Jesus is prayer. And so if you want to be fired up for the Lord, you have to add fuel to the flame and Prayer is one of the powerful fuels that you will need. When you call out to God in prayer, it puts fuel on your spiritual flame, and it causes you to be on fire with the power of God. Hallelujah. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but if you're not adding any spiritual fuel to your life, you're running on low power. Without wood in the fireplace, you'll have a cold house. The Bible says that God makes his ministers a flaming fire in Psalm 104, verse 4. If you're a child of God, that describes you. There is no clergy or laity in the Bible. We're all servants of God. God wants you to be a flaming fire. It's the will of God for your life. You might say, can I really get spiritually on fire for Jesus? Yes, you can. If you add the right fuel to your heart, you can build a fire that burns bright and sustains that fire, and it'll burn brighter and brighter the longer you walk with God. You have to be honest and assess the situation and have an intentional action plan. That's what Paul encouraged young pastor Timothy to do in Second Timothy 1 verse 6. He said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He said that stir up. Stir up is really, you could say, do what you used to do to put life into your fire again. You don't have to ask others to pray for you or lay hands on you. This is a DIY action. Do it yourself. You add the fuel to your heart and intentionally adding prayer to your life will get you on fire for Jesus. Stoke that fire with the fuel of fervent prayer. Prayer is absolutely essential if we're going to remain on fire for Jesus for the rest of our life. Praise God, we have his promise that if we call on him, he will answer us. He will demonstrate great and mighty things which are inaccessible to ordinary people. Jeremiah 33, 3. We're going to talk about Jeremiah 33.3 today. Jeremiah says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In this verse, we have God's promise. If we call unto him, he will answer us, and he will demonstrate amazing, phenomenal power in our lives. When you study the book of Acts, you find that when the early church prayed, there was a release of divine power. They called unto God, and God answered them and showed them great and mighty things. 
when we rely upon social groups and education and government or all the things of the world, we get what man can give. But when we faithfully pray and seek God, we get what God can give. Praise the name of Jesus. In today's world, we depend on education and organizations and machines and um, a lot of fancy gadgets and technology. And in the early church, they didn't have all these distractions, but they had Jesus and Jeremiah 33, 3. They believed that if they called on God, he would answer and show them great and mighty things. The devil laughs at our humanistic ambition and religion. He mocks our natural wisdom. But when we pray to the Father in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he trembles. When you activate prayer in your life, it literally stirs the embers. It reignites your passion for Jesus. We're going to look at the book of Acts today. The book of Acts is more than a history book. It's a pattern book. I have books on theology, and it's easy to see when a particular theologian is limited to history and what he has learned from man. It's also easy for me to see when the author is spiritual and how much he knows God. Many people view the book of Acts as only a history book, but it's not intended just to be a history book. The book of Acts is a pattern book. It shows us the pattern of how God worked then and how God wants to work in our life today until the coming of Jesus. We can use the book of Acts as a pattern book. We find in the book of Acts the early church had total dependency upon God. As a result, they experienced an outpouring of God's power. They called unto God, and God answered them and showed them great and mighty things. Their lives were on fire because they called out to God in prayer. Consider these following passages from the pattern book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Mary was with the 120 people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. That makes me think, I wonder if the Catholics would keep on praying to Mary if they found out she was Pentecostal. Anyway, they were in the upper room waiting for the day of Pentecost for 10 days, and they continued in prayer. They continued in supplication, and in accordance with Jeremiah 33.3, they called out to God. God said through the prophet Jeremiah, You call out to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things beyond your comprehension. Then they reaped the result. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, God showed them great and mighty things. Now in Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and as they entered the gate, there was a man lying there who had been lame from birth. Peter and John simply used their authority in the name of Jesus with faith in God, commanding healing, and just like Jeremiah 33 says, God answered them and showed them great and mighty things, as this man, who had never walked, suddenly jumped up when God's power was released. Let's go on and look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. 
I'm using the New King James Version today. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke a word of God with boldness. How would you like to have a Holy Ghost meeting where the power of prayer would just shake the house as if it was in an earthquake? That's what happened in Acts 4.31. At that prayer meeting, they were praying according to Jeremiah 33.3. They were calling out to God, and he answered them with great and mighty shaking power. They got stirred up on fire for Jesus and spoke the word with boldness. Then we can move on to Acts chapter 8 as another example of Jeremiah 33.3 in action. Chapter 8, verse 15 and 17, it says, Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that might receive the Holy Spirit. Then they laid hands on them and received the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that Philip had gone to Samaria and preached Christ, and the people repented, and there was a great joy in that city. Then Philip baptized him. Then the apostles came down from Jerusalem. They heard about the commotion there. And when they prayed for the people, called out to God in verse 14. And those people who had been saved then received the Holy Spirit. Gloriously, God showed them great and mighty things because they prayed. Another example is in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 18. The New King James Version says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias? Ananias said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And verse 16, For I will show him many things He must suffer for my name's sake. And in verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. In this passage, we read that Ananias was praying. He was calling out to God. God spoke to him and says, I want you to go down to this address where this guy named Saul is. Lay your hands on him and pray for him that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive his sight. And the Bible tells us that because Ananias prayed, he received direction from heaven, then obeyed and laid hands on a man who would become a legendary apostle and write much of the New Testament. God heard Ananias' praying and showed him, as well as the one who he prayed for, great and mighty things. 
Praise God. In Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. This passage talks about a man who, even though he was a pagan, he was seeking God, and Jeremiah 33, 3, will work for anyone who prays. Cornelius was calling out to God, and God answered him. God directed Peter to his house as a result of Cornelius's praying. Gentiles received the first Pentecost. They were gloriously saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. See Acts chapter 10, verses 3 through 46. And again, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, the New King James Version says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. See, Peter was in jail and a home group of believers praying fervently for his release. They were calling on God, and God answered. He sent an angel to set Peter free. Peter shows up at the house where they were praying for him, and they were stunned and amazed by the things that had been done in response to their prayers. God is faithful to his promise, and he showed them great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33, 3 again. From the beginning to the end, the book of Acts is a pattern of the early church praying and God responding to their prayers. Believers on fire for Jesus is a fervent church, God showed them great and mighty things, his promise to anyone who will add fuel of prayer and stir the gift of God in their hearts. If the church is too busy for prayer, it's too busy for power. We have to do what Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto God and call unto him vigorously without giving up, and he will answer us with great and mighty things. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I thank you that you have blessed them with your promise. I thank you that they can lay hold of Jeremiah 33.3 and call upon you and receive great and marvelous answers to their prayers. You can show them your will and how strong they can become by stirring up the gift inside of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. I'd like to know where you're from. If you go to the website and click on the blue mailbag button, send me a note, a testimony, or a prayer request, I'd be grateful for it, and we'll pray for you. Until next time, God bless you and stay in the Word. In Jesus' name. I hope you are subscribed and will make it a part of your ministry to share this message with others. God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at victorybriefings.net. <laughs>